We're on week four of Developing the Home. Have you enjoyed the series, Developing the Home? All right. We've had great teaching, watched online. Of course, you're not used to seeing me over here. I'm usually across the street at the Student Life Center, where our youth group is at right now. They're learning uh, some great material right now, along, right along with us. And Developing a Home, there's a lot of different topics that we can dive into. We can talk about ordering your home for all demographics. I think we've talked about that. Leading your own home, respect, decision-making, routines, habits, work, building for success, prayer, teaching salvation, what your goals are, planning for the future and and strong relationships. But I want to kind of hone in and focus in on uh, one topic tonight, and that is developing your relationship with God inside of your home. Developing your relationship with God inside your home. We can't really make a significant progress until we have a real relationship with God. A real, if I was at the youth group, I would say a real, R-E-A-L, relationship with God. It has to be real. It can't be put on. It can't be fake. It's not something we dress up, right? It has to be a real relationship with God. We have to talk to God in our homes. We have to do that here today. And we can't rely on just coming to church on Sunday and Wednesdays. This has to be every, every day of the week. I must teach and believe and practice in our homes. And I believe this, a dependency on God. Everybody say dependency. Dependency on God. Let's turn our Bibles to Matthew 6, chapter 6. We're going to read verses 25 through 34. Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, or what you shall drink, nor yet your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body more than raiment? Verse 26, Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Verse 31, therefore take no thought, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Everybody say amen to the word. Dependency on God. We've got to be dependent on God. Let's think on a few things here. Many of us have started new beginnings or changes. Maybe you're getting ready to face some changes and new beginnings right now, coming up soon. What are, we have to determine what our true needs are, what our true wants are in life. And we all know that life is completely full of changes, full of changes. No one understands that more than the people as I look across this room right now. Think about it. Over the last 10 years, Think about what's happened over the last decade in your family and your home. How many times have you started a new beginning? 
How many times have you started a new job, a new position within the company? Maybe it's a new relationship. And for some of you, it's even a new city, a new community, and a new church. These are all changes. These are all things we have to deal with. And if you allow me just for a little bit to pretend that you're in the youth group, everybody smile real big, you're in the youth group today. Isn't that awesome? You're in the youth group. If you can think back to when you were in junior high, when you are in junior high school and you changed your entire learning routine from elementary by having multiple teach, teachers teaching different subjects, that was a big change. That was something that was different. There are changes with friends. There were friends that were maybe your closest friend when you were in second grade or kindergarten, but by a sophomore year, maybe not so much. Then finally, your teen years end with your biggest change yet. You leave part of your life you've grown to understand in high school to the vastly different worlds of college, and oh my, how different that was for me. Nobody made me go to school. I paid for school. The professor didn't care if I went to school. They got paid the same if I didn't go to school. It was completely different. Then for some of you in here, you got married, you had children, your children grew, your children had children, and so many changes and on and on it goes. So this period of constant change can be equal parts scary, very scary, and exciting at the same time. There's so many different unknowns involved in new beginnings. So the question is, will I be able to handle these changes? For those who find change to be difficult, which is probably all of us at some point or another, the scariest part is that we can't stop the changes from coming. Change is coming constantly, all the time. It's life. So when we're developing our home, we're talking about developing our home in this series, the only constant seems to be change. That's the only constant. So how are we to deal with the changes? And oh, by the way, there's not the not so good changes, right? The situations come, life happens, and we find ourselves in a trial, find ourselves in a situation. Something happens in our family. It's very devastating, some things that happen to us. So we're left with having to adapt or get left behind, and, and so How do I lead my family, my home, in navigating this constantly changing world? How do I do that? We're going to look at a few keys here. The Bible speaks of it. Two words. Don't worry. Everybody say, don't worry. Have you ever heard the phrase, don't worry, be happy? I'm sure some of you may have heard a song, don't worry, be happy. I'm not going to sing it. Don't worry. Don't worry, be happy. I hate that phrase. I don't like it. It sounds painfully simple. Advice, but just really isn't realistic. When something is, is looming on the horizon and maybe it's change you know is coming or maybe you don't know what's coming, maybe you know it's coming, you're dreading it. It's, isn't it hard to do anything but worry? It's hard to not give in to worry. In Matthew 6, Jesus paints an amazing picture of dependency that we can find in him. 625, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? In a different translation, it says, don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtime or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There is far more to your life than food you put in your stomach, more to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body. What a word. What a word for us here today. There's two points here. First, When Jesus clearly understands the pain of worry, he starts with the essentials of life, which is food and drink. How many loves food in here? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Love food. 
don't love that my metabolism's gone. <laughs> I don't metabolize as quick as I used to. Then he hits on clothing, something that protects us from the elements as well as shows our status to the world. So whenever we start a, a new beginning and we, we want to know that we're going to be okay, that whatever changes or situations may come, we want to know that we're going to survive it. You see, Jesus knows that feeling as well. He knows that feeling. And though this verse may not specifically mention a particular home situation you may be going through, a financial situation, a relationship, or a health need, it does identify some of the most basic ingredients to being dependent on him. Because when it's all said and done, our homes must be dependent on God. We have to be dependent on Jesus Christ. Jesus goes back to ask the critical question, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? In other words, there's more to life than these things we need for survival and protection and status. There's more to life. And so before I, we, we dive any further, I just want to join Jesus and say, no matter what you feel in this moment, there is more to life than school. There's more to life than social groups. There's more to life than your teen years, your time at university, your job, what kind of house you have, what kind of career, what kind of car you drive. God has a plan and purpose for your home. I believe that right now. Do you believe that? God has a plan and purpose for your family and for your home, for your loved ones, and for your neighborhood. I'm claiming it right now in Jesus' name. You see, I believe that your home is getting ready to experience revival. Revival. Do you believe that, that your home is going to experience revival? You don't know what all that is because some things he's holding back from us, we can't handle yet until we develop that dependency on him. We don't know what that looks like yet until we develop that. We have to, we must develop a dependency on God in our homes. So all of what has been mentioned can seem so big, so overwhelming sometimes, but there's certainly more to our lives and our Savior than the circumstances that you're facing at home. In the next verse, Jesus gives the example of birds. They don't have warehouses full of food that they have been storing, yet somehow they survive. The birds survive. It's very simple, I know, it's very elementary, but it's the word. God provides for them. What Jesus is saying is that if God will take care of the birds, how much more will he take care of his own, his creation, the one he died for on a cross? You are his masterpiece. You are worthy. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. He spent time in secret with you, making you. Do you understand that right now? God wants to spend time with you. He wants you to depend on him. And I think that says it all. Matthew 27 says, which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? I can't think and make myself taller. Man, I wish I was 6'5". I wish I was 6'6". I can dunk in the NBA, Brother Tim. I could do it right now. I can't do that. I can't think. I can't even worry about it. There's nothing that I can do about it. The message says, has anyone by fussing in front of a mirror even gotten taller by so much as an inch? No, that's not happened. So the point Jesus is making is that when you get right down to it, what good does worrying really do? God has not called us to worry. That's not what God called us to do. He's called us to depend on him. He called us to depend on him. We must choose that path, dependency on Jesus over worry. I'm not going to worry about anything. I have faith. I have the God. My, my grandpa used to say, I'm a rich. My, my father owns the cattle on a thousand hill. I know how my home can get. 
Maybe it's just my home. We can get stressed out about changes, life situations. But what will worrying really do about it? What will it solve? Will it make the transition go smoothly? Will it make it come faster? The obvious answer is no. New beginnings and changes are part of life, and worry doesn't have to be a part of that solution. So we, don't, we definitely don't have to worry about trying to fix something we weren't meant to fix because if we try to do that, we're going to mess it up. We're going to get in a huge mess. We can't do it on our own. That's why we need to depend on him. I am weak. He is strong. Jesus goes on to make uh, another analogy using flowers. If God cares so much about them to clothe them in such beauty, how much more will he take care of you? That's dependency. That's dependency. That is dependency. Again, you, your family, your home is incredibly important to the almighty creator. He knows you by name. If he cares about flowers, what does that say about his true masterpiece? His children. He loves us. So depend on God. Depend on him. Matthew 6, 31 through 32 says, So don't worry about these things, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. He knows exactly what you need right in this moment. Not your wants, your needs. We need to depend on him. So when you get right down to it, God knows all of your needs. He knows the new beginnings that are looming on the horizon. He knows what's coming. He knows exactly what you need to not only survive, but to thrive in the situation. So does that mean everything's going to go perfectly smooth? No, it's not. God doesn't promise a problem-free life. But what he does promise is that he knows what you, what your family are going going through, and he's going to be right there with you every step of the way. We need dependency on God in our homes. We must have dependency on God in our homes. I cannot overstate this. You have an all-powerful God, creator of the universe, saying, I've got your back. I've got it. Have faith in me. Dependency on God. We live right now. We live in a microwave society. We live in a society where we deliver groceries and we want to take care of things with a snap of a finger. Right? Fast food. We go through the line. We want it right now. We live in that right now. We're used to finding solutions very, very quickly, if a problem arises, we are conditioned to take care of them immediately to get relief. That's what, we, that's what we want. We want relief. In our Christian walk, we're too tempted to take the shortcuts or find alternatives, which can bring immediate relief and can eventually take us away from God's will and purpose. There are things taught to us from God, and he's trying to take his time with us. He's trying to teach us to depend on him. Your Christian life and ministry is is a life of dependence on, on God. Our homes should be totally 100% dependent on God. Dependence on God is the enemy of independence, which the word will teach you. Self-motivated, self-taught, self-made, self, 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 self-help. It's very easy to move away to a culture of self-dependence. You see, Israel's history was a nation who depended on God from daily food to conquering nations, from crops to battles, from health to wealth, and every other detail of life. They were dependent on God. Jesus, too, was tempted 
by the devil to take shortcuts by surrendering his purpose to satisfy immediate needs by turning stones into bread. He defended his dependence and said, man shall not live by bread alone. So I want to know, are we tempted here today to follow human methods and systems to get quick results? Have we found material sources of support for our homes, which has taken away our dependence on God? It's a very scary situation. We don't want to get there. Have we gotten there yet? Dependence on the word of God is a very culture of faith and is trust in God. It's who we are. That's who we are. That's who we're supposed to be. So one of those avenues is prayer. Prayer is not merely getting our needs met. It's a culture of dependence. Dependency on God. It's a lifestyle of trust and total obedience to God's will and purpose. And contrary to the world's ultimate goal of self-dependence, Words such as independence, self-sufficiency, self-determination, sovereignty, self-governance, self-supporting are frequently heard in all culture. They have made that into the modern-day God of Baal. Pride and arrogance are the results of worshiping such gods. Humility and submission are key virtues of those who serve the Lord. The only lesson Jesus asked his followers to learn from was his humility and meekness. Matthew eleven twenty nine. You see, God is attracted to prayers of people of such humility to prove his power and his strength. I have a burden tonight churning in my soul that's been inside of me for some time. I'm burdened for our youth. I'm burdened for our young adults. I'm burdened for our homes. I don't want to ever get to the place where my home, my family, loses our dependence on God. I want to have dependence on God. I want to go to him. I want it to be my first initial reaction is to say, God, I need you. Not, hey, what do you think about this? Look, I'm thankful for every person God has placed in my life, placed in your life, that God has allowed in our lives, in our homes. It is the plan and purpose for your life, those people. And I'm thankful for an awesome children's ministry who teach with passion this wonderful truth that we have. I'm thankful that we have a youth staff who lead this every single day. They live the truth every single day. I'm thankful for a pastor and first lady who exemplify what it means to be apostolic Pentecostal. I'm thankful for every pillar, every pillar in the church, every authority God has placed over my life, over our lives together. Your teachers, I'm thankful for your boss. I'm thankful for your coach, your professor, elected officials, parents, your best friends, your family, and anyone else who may have influence in your life. But can I just say it plain here today? Your leaders are not your God. They're not your God. Your boss, your coach, your professor is not your God. God is your God, and we must depend upon him. Don't get it twisted here today. Don't fall into the enemy's trap. I've seen people fall into this trap. Major life events happens to you, your home. Your leaders, your family, your friends may not be able to be there. Your pastor may not be able to be there. And we complain. We point fingers at the church because the church wasn't there. Wasn't there. Church, our homes cannot be, we, we, can't, we can't go there. It can't house that conversation. We can't have those conversations in our home. That's how God has designed it. These people are in our life to help us and guide us and give us instruction. But they are not God. They're not God. They can't make up for the moment that you and your family 
Your home encounters God in your living room. They, they can't make up for that moment. They can't give you the peace or joy like God can. I'm praying right now that if we get this right and we depend on God and we have a relationship with God, we're praying, we're reading our word in our homes, that our children are going to receive the Holy Ghost inside their homes, their living rooms, their bedrooms, the kitchen, when they're at the dinner table. I was dealing with a situation one time in... I thought to be very bad, very bad situation. And this could, this could even happen to me. And I, my first reaction was, I got to call pastor. So like at 1030 at night, guess what I did? I called pastor Harpole. And thank the good Lord he did not answer. <laughs> he didn't answer. And as soon as I hung up the phone, I immediately got convicted. And I felt the Lord tell me, why didn't you talk to me first? Why was your first reaction to call pastor? Why wasn't your first reaction to talk to me? And so I went and prayed. I'm not bragging about going and praying because I obviously didn't do it first. That wasn't my first reaction. But I went to the prayer room. I drove from my house to the prayer room. I prayed until something broke. Nothing was solved in the situation. Nothing happened, but I felt a peace. I felt a peace. That next morning, I met up with pastor. We talked, we text, and we met up for lunch. And he said, hey, I missed your call last night. What was that about? And I said, you know what? Don't even worry about it. I said, it was something I shouldn't even called you about. I prayed about it, and everything's good to go. And, and I got an epiphany. I'm thinking, man, why was my first reaction to talk to pastor? I didn't even talk to God. That's the kind of dependence that we have to have. We have to lean. Pastor cannot be everywhere. Your, your family can't always be everywhere. The leaders can't always be everywhere. But God is everywhere. He's omnipresent. He's there for you. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to communicate to you. So sometimes I think, this is what I think. I think God displaces people sometimes to help you lean on God and not so much on man. Again, we love our pastor. Give us direction. What a God-inspiring word. We have to have a relationship with God. The word that comes from our leadership or the Sunday school teachers or the youth team can't be it. We've got, we've got to talk to God. We've got to get this right in our homes. Amen? So our first reaction, if our first reaction isn't involving God, then we've lost all dependency. We've lost it all. We've got to be dependent on God. All those wonderful people God has placed in your life put together couldn't make up for what God will do and wants to do in your home. Thank God he allows things to happen in our lives to make sure we still depend on him. He allows things to come into our life. Sometimes we look at them as devastation, but God is trying to wake us up and get us to understand that you need me. That's what he's saying to us. You need me, and I want to help you. You are weak. I am strong. Let me take this on. Trust me. Follow me. Come after me. Call after me. Come into, come into your house and, and talk of good things, positive things. Be be positive about everything. Give, give joy to me. And God's going to help you. It's going to come into your home. I feel it right now in this place. The Holy Ghost is here. I don't know about you, but I love Jesus. I don't want that to be a simple statement and just pass by. I love Jesus. I love him so much. I love my relationship I have with Jesus. I talk to him. I'm in the car. Sometimes I'm at the stoplight. I'm crying. I could be speaking. People next to me are looking at me. Oh, sorry. I'm having a moment. 
I love that. That's a relationship. That's what we need. It's, it's, not, it's not a King James Version prayer all the time. Thou saith the Lord of hosts, come down and visit with me. No, it doesn't have to be that way. Just talk to God. Just commune with him. Just spend time. Read his word. And God's going to spend time with you. I just want to say that when I'm not around people in this room or the Student Life Center and I'm at home with my wife and kids, those moments that when my family, we're all alone, we don't have the answers to life, we go to God. We go to God. Right there in the house. And men in this room, I could speak to you when I'm alone and, and maybe the kids are in bed and Crystal's sleeping. I, I go to a little 8-foot by 16-foot office in the detached garage. And my mind goes back to my grandpa. He had a attached garage. And he had a, a desk. Had a lot of tools. A lot of tools, Grandma. A lot of tools. Does he still have a lot of tools? Do you still have a lot of tools? <laughs> Probably inherited a lot of tools. A lot of air compressors. A lot of tool chests. But there's one thing that stuck out in that garage, and that was a desk over here. It was a, it was a metal desk. It was gray. And he had his Bible. It was always open. That's where he studied that. That's where he spent time. I thought in my mind, that's what I want to do. That's my spot. So I got my detached garage. I got my workbench. That's my spot. Todd Hudiger came and helped build walls around it, and that's where I go to the Tim. That's where I spend time with God. God visits me in that office. That's my spot. At my house, in my home, that's my spot. That's where I go. There's something about having dependency on God. I depend on him in those moments. I need him. I talk to him. Sometimes I can't even get words out of my mouth. It's moanings and groanings that cannot be uttered. It's just speaking in tongues, and God God will give me a peace. I don't know that, that, that the answer came like I wanted it to, but I felt better. Do you understand what I'm saying? I feel better when I'm with God. I depend on him. I don't depend on man. I depend on him. I want to be so dependent on God that it's not, it's just natural for me to go to him for everything. It's my first reaction. My first reaction is to pick up the phone or gossip about something or talk to somebody else and what do they think? What's, what's their take? I want to get God's take on it. That's what I want. That's my first gut initial reaction. God. What happens when you get in a car wreck where you're getting ready to get hit by a car? You yell out what? Jesus. That's what I want. That reaction. That, mm, Jesus, I need you right now. I don't know what to do. I, I want to try to solve this problem right now. And I know if I do, I'm going to mess it up. So I'm calling on you. Give me, give me wisdom. Give me counsel. Give me strength. Give me something, Lord. I need you right now. So naturally, I don't want to leave us here in this moment without some application. So how do we, how do we get there? How do we get to dependency on God? How do, we, how do we arrive there? It starts with prayer. And it has to be a priority. It has to be a life of prayer. It's a lifestyle. It's not, it's, not a, it's not a checklist on the refrigerator. It's not something that you do um, late at night right before you go to bed. It's a life of prayer. You're always in prayer. The Bible says pray without ceasing. Now, does that mean that you stand up in your break room and stand on your lunchroom table and shout? No, that's not what that means. But you can be in a spirit of prayer all the time. You can do that. Paul writing to Timothy states that prayer should be, first of all, in the ministry of the church. First of all. Prayer must be first. I heard Sister Shock teach this. First thing. Right when you get up in the morning. First. It's our first fruits. It's right when we wake up. Give God your very first on everything. Not the last or in between. It must be seen as the priority. 
To sacrifice prayer in order to depend on human methods will eventually cause us to fail. Prayer protects our homes from the curse of falling into self-dependence. We don't want to fall into self-dependence. Many don't heed this warning. Many don't heed the warning that trusting a man will eventually bring a curse on us. Jeremiah 17.5 says, We trust men of influence, wealth, and power and depend on them to help us. It will eventually take our heart away from God. This is why we must keep prayer as a priority in our lives. Because you see, there's a higher level of authority through prayer. There's a level of authority in prayer which church exercises over a nation and its leaders and which is still to be discovered. Paul says that this authority in prayer gives them power to pray for kings and not just to beg from kings. What a great privilege we have. People of prayer are people of authority who can exercise such power over nations. God has called us to pray as a church God has called us to pray in our homes to shape the history of our nation. We have a direct influence of what happens in America and what happens around this world. If we can just tap into it, if we can just depend on him, if we can just depend on him, there's a challenge in the midst of all this. There's a challenge. And if it's okay, respectfully, I'm, I'm going to hear this challenge to you. I'm going to issue a challenge today. For our, our homes. A revival. It's a revival. It's a movement of being dependent on God. We're going to set in our mind, and we're going to pray first, but we're going to set in our mind that, you know what, no matter what comes my way today, not tomorrow, not, I'm just going to do it as it comes, that I'm going to be dependent on God in every situation that comes my way. Whatever happens at work, whatever happens at school, whatever happens in my life, in my family, I'm going to depend on Him. I'm not going to rely on my methods or human methods or books or self-help, those kind of things. We're going to be dependent on him. We must develop a culture of dependence on God through prayer where we release authority over rulers of the nation. We must know that prayer is not one of the ways of living, but it is the only way of living. It's not one of the ways. It is the only way of living for us. We can easily let our guard down by living a life of self-dependence. You got to your side of the house with your device. You go to your side of the house with your device. You go to the basement. I'll go to my side. I'll go get my device because we want peace. It's superficial. Yeah, the house is quiet. Everybody's on their, their computer over here, their tablet, their phone, their Netflix, their Hulu. That peace is a disguise. It's a ruse. It's a fake. It leads to a home that's prayerless. And I feel that our prayer life and dependence on God at home as well as example to others is vital for mobilizing prayer and revival in this church. We must get prayer right in our homes and then watch it explode in this church. It's going to be a revival in this community if we get this right in our homes. We must pray. Corporate prayer is awesome. There's nothing like it. If you've never been on a Saturday corporate prayer in this room, I challenge you to come. You'll never be disappointed. The time goes like this. When you tap into the spirit, you just want to keep praying. You just want to stay in the presence of God. And we're going to continue to do that. That's going to happen. 24-hour prayers this week, and I challenge you to sign up. Go to the website and sign up for that. We're going to continue to have prayers of body. That's going to happen. That's never going to stop. We have to have that. There's pre-service prayer that happen, that's happening on this campus. That's not going to stop. It's ramping up right now as we speak. However, 
The corporate prayer power of the church is released only by the secret place of prayer in the home. Think about that. If we all prayed and we all talked to God, we all had a relationship, we read our Bible, and we came together as a body, a unified body, we prayed, how much more powerful of services we will have? How much more people will we reach? It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's not if it's going to happen. I believe it's going to happen. I'm claiming it right now in Jesus' name. Even greater, the corporate prayer of all the intercessors in the nation can bring national revival and renewal. So I believe that we truly begin to live this in our homes. This city and community is ours for the taking if we live this day in and day out. I love what Pastor said. Go find it. I'll try to send the link out on, the, on Facebook or something. I don't know how I'll do it. We'll get it out. You can't outrun your fork. You can't out Sunday your Monday. You can't out Sunday your Tuesday. If you go to McDonald's and eat a value meal, you can't go to the gym and run three miles and run all that off. You can't outrun your fork. You can't go to enough Sunday services to out Sunday your Monday, your Tuesday, your Wednesday, Thursday, your Friday. You, you, you got to have this. We got to live this. And hopefully we know this, and I know we do. The Bible says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. We don't have to worry about anything. If we depend on him, we don't have to worry about anything. He has everything under control, in control, over however you want to say it. He has it. So the answer to happiness in our homes and happiness in our life is right there in that verse. Or maybe really... It's better to say that the answer to joy in life is right there. You see, happiness is an emotional state that is sometimes hard to control. But joy, oh, how I long to have joy in my life. Something far greater and more lasting is something that we can live in every single day. I long to have joy in our homes and peace. Joy, the joy of the Lord. I've been teaching this, we've been teaching this in the youth group. Joy of the Lord. It's okay to smile and worship God. Isn't God good? I know we've been raised to this in this culture, and we always, ah, it's okay, yeah, God is so good. He's so good. God is so good to us. It's okay to smile when you're out in the community and smile at people. You can't help but smile because you depend on God and what God's done for you, what he did for you yesterday, what he did for you last week, or what he did for your family. You can't help, and it just starts oozing out. I'm like, how are you doing today? And I'm like, what's wrong with you? Nothing, what's wrong with you? We've got to have joy in our homes. We only get that by depending on God. I have the joy, Lord. Does, does it mean I've not been through things? Yes, we've been through things. Our family has been through things. Your family has been through things, terrible things. I cannot imagine how people go through their life without having the joy of the Lord, without depending on him. How do they even make it? I don't even know. I thank God for what he's done for us. The key for our homes, and again, we're still working on this. This is, this is developing the homes. It's not a developed home. My home's probably not going to get developed. I have a five-year-old right now that rules our house. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> we need prayer. We, we can go right through and have everything looking pristine. And, and two minutes before y'all show up to our house, 
it'd be destroyed. And you're like, what is going on here? We're developing our home. We're developing it. It's not, we're not perfect. We're never going to be perfect. We're going to strive to be like him. Key to our home is found in seeking the kingdom of God above everything else. Above all else. That's it. Seeking the kingdom of God above else. So what does that mean? The first step is seeking God's way over everything else. Over your agenda. Over what you want. What you need. Trying to keep up with people. Buying things. It's, we're not seeking after that. We're seeking after what God wants for us. Above everything else. It's a complete dependency on him. It's faith in God. That's, that's, what, that's what we do. We're people of faith. We need the Lord, or we need to pray, Lord, your will be done, not mine. That's hard to do. We need to pray, Lord, your will be done. God's way isn't always the easiest, but it's always the best. It's always the best way. I know from experience it is the best way. I thought I took the right road, what I thought was easiest and what I thought would be cool and I thought would be good and I knew this was going to take me places and it wasn't. It was, wasn't what it seemed. It was kind of easy, but it wasn't the best for me in the long run. God knows all. He sees all. He knows what's best for you. So pursuing the kind of life that Jesus talks about throughout Scripture is the key to a joyful living, to a joyful home. So I live the way that God wants, and I get what I want. No. <laughs> um, almost. Almost. The second part of this verse is key. If you seek to live like Christ, God will give you everything you need. What we need is not always the same as what we want. We know that, right? I, have, I say that because I have to tell myself that a lot. What we need is not always the same as what we want. I want a billion dollars. I want a billion dollars. I don't need that much money. So when you worry about things, appearances, the material, many of the things that are stressing you out are probably your wants. They're probably your wants. So what do you need today? What do you need? I know that I need to depend on him. I depend on him. I just need God. That's all I need. I need God in my home. I need God. I want to lift our hands right now. I thank you, Lord. You're so good to us, Lord. Oh, I thank you for your grace and mercy, Jesus. You're so good to us, Lord. I love you, Jesus. I depend on you. Our home is ready to live a life completely dependent on you. Make your way right now, God, into our homes. Lord, I, I, right now I'm repenting. If there's anything inside of me right now, I've been depending on other things, entities and people, and I've taken my eyes off of you. I'm committing to you today to doing a U-turn. I'm going to live a life consecrated to you. I'm not, I'm not going to get distracted or disappointed in people who may have hurt or neglected me because my home is dependent on you. God, I thank you for your word right now. Your word has taught me today that you have everything under control, that you don't have to give in to worry. Help me to always seek the kingdom first above everything else. Help me to always pursue your will and not my own. Life isn't easy. Things happen, but I know that you will always have everything in control. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. 
Your word is our roadmap and mine, and my family's destination is to live with you in heaven for eternity. I give you glory, God, right now. I thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's pray to him right now, church. I'm praying for every home represented here right now and watching online that are not here right now. I'm going to our homes, Lord. Help us to take inventory. Help us to look at things closely, Lord. What's taking our time away from you? Help us to spend time at the dinner table, have conversations. Help us to talk about godly things and holy things. Help us to not about worry about all the frivolous things in life. Lord, we need you to come into our houses, God. We're praying for revival right now in our homes. I'm praying for children to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm claiming it right now. Young people to put their devices down and find a closet of prayer. To go on the back deck and proclaim the goodness of the Lord. To go down the neighborhood. I'm claiming our neighborhoods right now. Those are our churches, our neighbor, my next door neighbor. I'm claiming it right now. Beverly, heal her body. Heal her body, Jesus. She needs a touch. Oh, Come on, that's it. Cry out to him right now. I thank you, Lord.